Three, two, one, go. And we're live. This is Retrace segment number 107 for Thursday, January 5th, 2023. Day five, chapter five of our deep dive into AIM4E, Artificial Intelligence and Modern Approach. Chapter five is Adversarial Search in Games. Retrace is about what's going on out there. The short answer to that is computer control. The long answer to that is not going to happen today, but we're going to get into some old retrace stuff because we're starting to get answers to questions that we either raised implicitly or explicitly in the in what I call like retrace 1.0 before we took the technical turn. Uh, what am I talking about? Well, let's go to the notes. So the notes will guide us through. Uh, and the other thing is, it always takes two tries. The other thing is that, um, I don't know if this, like I've said this or not, it should go without saying, I'm not trying to do a comprehensive treatment of chapter five. Might do that in the future. Not doing that today. We're just going one day at a time. And so what have we found? Well, what's the title of this thing? I mean, what is the title of this? <laughs> I gotta scroll up. Three kinds of AI. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I do know what I'm doing here, but I'm doing too many things. All right, let's start with like the, this is basically the opening passage in uh, chapter five. I'll just read it. There are at least three stances we can take towards multi-agent environments. The first stance, appropriate when there are a very large number of agents, is to consider them in an aggregate as an economy, allowing us to do things like predict that increasing demand will cause prices to rise without having to predict the action of any individual agent. Second, we could consider adversarial agents as just a part of the environment, a part that makes the environment non-deterministic. But if we model the adversaries in the same way, uh, in the same way that, say, rain sometimes falls and sometimes doesn't, we miss the idea that our adversaries are actively trying to defeat us, whereas the rain supposedly has no such intention. The third stance is to explicitly model the adversarial agents with the techniques of adversarial game tree search. That is what this chapter covers. Okay? Um, I didn't have any special reaction to that when I read it the first time. Um which was today. But then I read the rest of the chapter and things started to jump out at me. I mean, really, like I wasn't searching for this. I, I had absolutely no intent of finding some parallel like this, but I found a parallel. Let's, uh, let's continue. War, peace, and commerce AI is, is what we're calling the three kinds of AI. So let's call commerce, as, and it corresponds to the three they say there are at least three, but these are the three stances they give toward multi-agent environments. And if you don't remember or you forget, multi-agent environments are just environments where you're not the only agent or your agent is not the only agent, okay? So let's call commerce AI uh, when we're dealing – when we model the environment as having lots and too many agents to deal with individually. And so we can think about it the way we think about markets and economies, markets and prices, supply and demand, that sort of thing. Now we're going to get into – a little bit of weirdness. Stay with me. Try and stay with me. Peace AI is what I would call Nick Bostrom's capacity building. As long as we're uh, modeling the relevant part of the environment as only having one agent and we're not using agent-oriented software engineering, all that means is just like we discussed in – when was the um, – a recent retrace where we did the box was the environment and then the little box was the agent um, – in that agent, you know, we, we sort of have a choice when we model environments. Uh, are we going to model this much of the environment as the agent or this much or a tiny bit? Which part of it is the agent? It's up to you. you, you, you you're modeling – the purpose of the modeling, as, as explained by Russell and Norvig, is 
to um, aid in the analysis of systems. Okay, so there's no like there's no absolute way to decide what in an environment is an agent and what of it what of the environment or the rest of the environment is not an agent. So if we're modeling our environment as having you know the relevant part of the environment as having just one agent and we're not doing sort of implicitly we're not doing agent oriented software engineering where you're actually trying to conceptualize a subset of object-oriented programming um, as being agent-oriented programming, and agents have certain attributes, blah, blah, blah. I don't really know a lot about – I don't know anything about that, but I know that it's an option out there and that it's interesting to me. Um, then we're dealing with what I would call peace AI. Uh, Bostrom's capacity building is one of the two answers he gives to his superintelligence problem, but what can we do now sort of answers uh, in the lead-up to this uh, this owl that's coming. I don't know if you've seen – the cover of the book, but it's, hey, I got it. Why don't I just, there, that, the owl. How do we prepare for the owl? What, uh, Skronkfinkel? You don't know the parable of Skronkfinkel. Um, the unfinished fable of the sparrows and Skronk. Oh, anyway, so how do we prepare for the owl? Um, well, one way that he gives, this is, I forget, the pages in the notes, 317, I think, um, is to um, build capacity. Get like-minded, smart people working together, pooling their money, and doing whatever needs to be done to get ready for this. And then the other, um, the other uh, recommended action, because it's it's sensitive what actions you do in response to the lead up to the art, or to, to the prospect of art, uh, super super intelligence. Um, you can easily easily do things that seem like they're a good idea, but they actually make the problem worse. So like you bring it on more quickly. Or you know, he, he talks about the the difficulty of knowing the sign, as in positive or negative, of what you're doing uh, in trying to prepare for the arrival of superintelligence. Which, by the way, is not the only thing you're doing right now. Even though, even if that is, and it is, you know, probably a prospect that we should be dealing with. It's not the only doom and gloom or highly important prospect we should be dealing with in the negative or on on the on the bad side, the pessimistic side of the future of artificial intelligence. Anyway, he gives two ways of preparing that he is pretty confident are. Good ideas, capacity building and strategic analysis. So in peace AI, I would say um, there's a correspondence to capacity building. Um, so we're, we're just saying that in our model of the environment, the relevant part of the environment, there's only one agent and that's humanity. And, and he doesn't put it this way and I'm sure he would you know, not agree with what I'm saying here, but he's not here so I can say whatever I want. Um, we're the agent and the environment – doesn't have the other agent yet. It's going to have another agent. It's going to become the multi-agent environment, and then the game changes. Then we get on to the next kind of AI. But until we get to that, at least as far as the superintelligence problem goes, we are in peacetime AI, so we should be building a good capacity and doing strategic analysis. Okay? So that's peacetime AI, or peace AI. Not peacetime AI, but it's, a, but it's, it's delusional, right? Like you never – and that's, you know, that's sort of the point of like – the, or that's the thing that stands out to me about the idea of peace AI as opposed to war AI, which we'll talk about next, is that it, there's no peace. There is no peace, <laughs> only war. No, there's, there's, you're always either in an economic environment or an economic and war environment. The, the, you know, the war, if you can delineate when it starts and stops, which you can. Let's say it's defined by kinetic. But you can't because nowadays it's cyber and we could talk about that. And we've never even talked about the cyber. There's a whole world out there. I keep talking about it and not talking about it. But there is no peace. But if if we're going to have war AI and if we're going to make sense of the three kinds of – three stances toward multi-agent environments provided 
they don't say they're the only three, but but these three, these at least these three, provided by Russell and Norvig, that the the one where we where we treat um, agents that we know about in the environment is just the part that makes it non-deterministic. So we're not saying when we when we're doing strategic analysis of capacity building, and the owl hasn't arrived, and we're not talking about U.S. war with China or Russia or you know cyber syndicate or, or, or evil genius dr evil if you're just dealing with the owl and your preparation for the owl you're modeling all the other agents in your environment and they're surely there unless everybody's dead and you're just by yourself um and even then how would you know what killed all those people <laughs> we're getting too far afield uh you're modeling them all the other agents as as just things in the environment that make it non-deterministic Th- things that just make it so that um the the future isn't just dictated by what you do and and and, um, and and the the laws of physics of the environment. There are things that that can change the future in this environment that are not to do with your actions and not to do with the laws of physics of the environment. So those agents make it non-deterministic. Okay, that's peace AI. Now, probably more interested in war AI. I would say it's hard for me. I can't. I don't want to scroll down because I'm gonna. You're gonna be distracted by what what I wrote below. War AI. Uh, the search changes at the point of an adversary argument. So yesterday we talked about. Is it here? Tell me it's right here. It's not right lined up. I was hoping I'd get lucky. Uh, adversary. Yes, but no. Yes, there. When we talked yesterday about uh, this diagram, how an adversary could um, could construct an, over here in, in uh, uh, the B part of, of the diagram, an adversary could keep constructing these walls so that you get to your goal state as inefficiently as possible or – uh, the adversary could construct the whole maze-like environment so that when you're at this state, A, you can't tell which way is the dead end, which way is the goal goal direction, and there's no backtracking, and so you're you're you have no way of making this decision. It's a coin flip. Um, the game changes at this point. This is actually not in chapter five. This is in chapter four. That's why we talked about it yesterday. But the game changes when you have adversary arguments. Um, <laughs> the game, right? Like it's all it becomes a game. Um, but I mean, not in the technical sense of game. I mean, just in the sort of colloquial. This is different. This is this is a different feeling. Uh, that's that's war AI. Let's call that war AI. Um, when there's an adversary argument, it doesn't have, there doesn't actually have to be. I, I'm not sure about this, but I don't think there has to be an actual adversary. You just have to be in an environment where there could be one, which you know might be all environments. Okay, now we're into. Um, Bostrom's strategic analysis, sort of the results of strategic analysis. So you can do strategic analysis uh, in, during peace AI or in a peace AI environment or do, doing peace AI in an environment where you're, you, you say there are no other agents or you're not treating them as agents. Um, but the results of strategic analysis uh, become relevant in war AI and they're, they're also relevant in commerce AI. But what he's talking about is, is much more like war than commerce. We're not going to be – we're probably not going to be doing deals with the owl. Okay? The owl doesn't want to do deals. The, the owl's not interested in our wares. Okay. Um, so yeah, those are the three kinds of AI, uh, and it's just I'm calling it out because it just never occurred to me. Like I wasn't looking for three kinds of AI. I didn't. I didn't even notice it until I was basically done with the chapter, and then I noticed like one piece of it, and then I was like, wait a second, they called out the three stances on agents. So anyway, that's on page one forty eight. It'll all be in the notes. Okay. Finally, um, and and so this started. I think. Yesterday, we're starting to, recently, in the last two or three segments, um, 
we're starting to get answers to questions that we asked implicitly or explicitly here on Retrace. Um, most of which came before the technical, what I'm calling the technical term, Retrace 2.0. You know, we're, we're, we're doing technical stuff. We're talking about the great white brick, AMA 4E. We're, t- we're doing code on the podcast, all this stuff. That was not normal for this podcast until we did the technical turn. Okay, so Retrace 2.0, I think most of the questions, most of the questions I'm going to talk about occurred more or less before or right at the technical turn. So why does the computer control game feel like a game theoretic game or war? We asked that on 1119. It's all in the, I don't, can't easily do the re-citation when I, I don't know, my style. Uh, never mind. Okay, um, my .sty file, it doesn't handle that. Okay, um, the answer to that question, why does the computer control game feel like a game theoretic game in war? Well, it's just chap- chapter four. Uh, chapter five. I should, it should be chapter four and five. No, it's chapter five. It starts in chapter four. I got to fix that. So th- imagine a four and five there. I, I whipped these notes together too quickly. Okay, so why? Uh, just look at how throughout chapter five especially, which is adversarial search and games, although it really establishes itself – during search in complex environments because what makes them complex is the same st- sort of stuff that makes them adversarial. Um, hence, Peace AI is, can be seen as both um, a multi-agent or a single-agent environment depending on, depending, on, depending on what you know about your, uh, your decisions when you, when you model the environment. Um, this whole chapter is, is progressively more difficult games. starts with like, you know, more or less. It's not, it's not a perfect staircase or line upward. It's a bit uh, uh, sawtooth. Um, from chess, basically from, from like um, tic-tac-toe, checkers, and chess to more and more difficult versions of those games and then, and then all the way up to like, like massive multiplayer online games um, that are more or less like the hardest sorts of environments you can – hardest sorts of agent environments you can face. And what do we mean by a hard environment? Well, we just take the environment model. Um, I forget. It's in the notes again here, but you know, partially observable, this, these, this list of um, features of the environment, partially observable, multi-agent, non-deterministic, sequential, dynamic, continuous, and unknown. We've talked about those previously. It's on the same segment where we talked. It's, uh, which one is it? It is um, agent, fun- this one. Re, re 104. Uh, re 104 was the answer to the other thing, I think, too. Um, maybe. Uh, okay, so, so, um, okay. So that, that's why it feels like, that's why, I, you know, I said in, in uh, 1119, which is re 55, you know, I said it feels, it, it, it feels like a game, but it also doesn't feel like a game. It feels like war. And, and like, when I said it felt like a game, um, I didn't mean like, oh, this is not important. It's kind of just fun and games. No, not fun and games kind of game. Game theory kind of game, and I said that in the podcast and the notes. Um, and but I didn't know necessarily why, or I didn't have a technical answer. I mean, b- before the technical turn, I didn't have a technical answer to the the lay question that that, that wanted a technical answer that, that wasn't going to be satisfied with a lay answer. The lay question wants a technical answer if the lay questioner has. The prerequisites and foundations to understand the technical answer. Okay. Um, what other questions? Well, what do players do? And we asked that in 11, 16, 11, 18, uh, re 52 and re 54. Uh, the answer was came in uh, 1, 3, uh, re 105, solve. Players solve. Players in the AI computer control game 
game theory game, they solve. We talked about that at length. Okay, final question. Um, not the final question, but final question for today. What will war AI and general mobilization look like? We asked that 11.3, which was re-69. At the end of the table-driven agent, we were just sort of reflecting and wrapping up table-driven agent, and uh, we started thinking about that. I think I, I think I have an answer to that. I mean, I'm not just – like I swear, I wasn't thinking at all uh, or I didn't intend to come up with this. But it does, it does sort of seem to prevent, present itself. I don't know if I'll agree with this in six months, but I definitely agree with it now. What will it look like? It'll, it'll look like solving and deploying those solutions, AI solutions, um, to hard game problem environments. Remember, uh, the AMA guys at one point, <laughs> is it 66? Um, they describe agents, and, you know, agents being the solution to environments, and is it uh, not? Uh, no, it's not sixty-six. Um, I'm not going to be able to find it off the top. Anyway, it's in the notes. Um, so, so war AI and general mobilization will look like players solving, sort of like during World War II, um, uh, Turing and and the guys. I think IJ Good was part of that team as well. Um, they they did the what was it called the bomb, um, and but they did something before that that was cracking the German codes. It was like it wasn't it wasn't like they didn't have a machine cracking the codes. And then they, but anyway, they had to solve. They were solving, and it wasn't it wasn't on paper. It wasn't just on paper. It was it was this big cranky machine, and it was awesome. The movie was awesome. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't awesome. The reality of it wasn't awesome. Um, Awesome that they did it, though, and that they were on our team. Um, solving, but also deploying solutions. We're not going to be sitting around building machines. It's too late if you're in a war with another country or another entity. I mean, this doesn't ha- – This is. I want to be clear here. The, the, the war that I'm anticipating, and I'm not like – I'm not trying – you know, I'm just like everybody else. I feel like, gosh, there's a whole bunch more power in the, in the world via, in, in the form of technology. Same old tensions. More people. This is going to pop off. Like it's just I, – I, that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying soon we will be at war with China. Like no, I know. Some people say that and it sounds stupid when, to me when they say that. But it's possible. But it doesn't have to be two nation states. Um, it doesn't have to be anything. War is sort of a feature of human history, that a recurrent feature. Um, the, diff- the reason that we pay attention to the next war is because it's going to be very different than the last one, than the last major one. Like Einstein said, you know, he doesn't know how World War III is going to be fought, but World War IV is going to be fought with sticks and stones. That, um, hopefully he's wrong about that. Hopefully we never have another World War. Um, but what does it look like? Well, the, the problems have to be, so- most of them have to be solved in advance. I mean, you're just not going to have time, especially if your opponent has been preparing. Uh, what, whatever entity, nation, state, organized criminal syndicate, a super hacker collective that somehow has – I mean they, they have more leverage. Like individuals and small groups have way more leverage today than than they ever had in the past. So the idea that you need some – I don't know, a nation state. But anyway, is, you know, seems, seems a bit um, anachronistic. So a lot of solutions already in existence being deployed. New solutions critical in the moment that are not yet uh, – that do not yet exist being created by – 
players in the in the computer control game solving because that's what they do. Um, but also, like a lot of the problems that need to be solved in the moment are going to be deployment. Um, that's more like AI engineers uh, as opposed to you know research AI researchers. Um, and and what are they? What's what are the problems? They're they're hard game problem environments. They're hard environments. They're partially observable environments, multi-agent, non-deterministic, sequential as opposed to um, uh, one-off decision-making, um, dynamic, continuous, and unknown rules sorts of environments. And then I just give the citations for that stuff. Okay? That's it. That's chapter five. Um, feels Feels like we're making progress on whatever we're doing, which I don't quite understand honestly all right so day five chapter five tomorrow's day six guess what we're doing chapter six same time 10 p.m eastern 7 p.m pacific uh notes and stuff are in the feed in the youtube channel retrace.com r-e-t-r-a-i-c.com and we will pick it up tomorrow we're talking about uh, constraint satisfaction problems that's the other thing that i noticed about war ai versus peace ai is that war ai is just it it doesn't. It just feels like it's more in the on the factory floor, or or in the in the spreadsheet and in, in in Excel. It's like it's that sort of stuff where it's like. But that's 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 commerce AI. It's not peace. There's no peace. There is no peace. <laughs> There's only business without war and business with war. But 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 you can think in in the mindset of peace. And and I'm not just like supposing that just to fill a category. They say it. It's their second. It's their second stance toward multi-agent environments, which in a sense, all agents are multi-environment. They say you can consider adversarial agents as just part of the environment. That's peacetime AI. That's peace AI. There's nothing else going on. We can just chill and build capacity and play. All right. Anyway, same time tomorrow, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, retrace uh, 108, I guess. All right. All right. Signing off.